Hi, and welcome to the Unveiled Podcast, where we discuss all things related to women to help us think Christianly in every area of our lives. I'm Sandy, and I'm here with Susie, and we both have a passion to bring reform to biblical womanhood. My background is in education and music, and Susie's training is in biblical counseling, theology, and women's ministry. We've been friends and have served together at our local church for 22 years. And uh, just before we start, I wanted to share this story with Susie. I know we've been talking about um, a lot of different things, homesteading, homemaking, cooking. And last night, my husband was getting groceries. He's amazing. Um, He also likes to cook dinner. So uh, we were just going to pick up a rotisserie and bring it home and have a really simple dinner. But they were all out of rotisseries and we had no meat out of the freezer. And so I was kind of... I was kind of panicking a little bit because <laughs> he wasn't there. And I just looked around. I'm like, okay, okay, I've been studying this. I can do this. And I looked, there's a pile of eggs. And I threw together a quiche, a crustless quiche, Susie. Good was, for you. I'm impressed, <laughs> Sandy. <laughs> I went in the fridge. I'm like, what can we have here? So anyway, women, we can do it. <laughs> I should show you how to do a really good roasted chicken really easily it's one of um my son simon's favorite meals i actually did one yesterday because i found them on sale at superstore for a dollar 99 a pound essentially all you have to do is season it with some paprika salt and pepper maybe a little bit of garlic powder and then i stick like uh, a stick of butter underneath (gasps) the skin of each breast oh wow and then i just throw it in the oven for an hour and a half two hours until Mm. it probably about two hours it's hard to overcook them actually they're really good Maybe a little bit of water on the bottom just so it doesn't get too dried up and then you can use it for gravy. It's so easy. Like, honestly, it's the easiest thing. Some people get really intimidated by doing turkey or roasted chicken and that kind of thing. I think it's the easiest thing in the world. You just put some seasonings on, Mm -hmm. maybe a little bit of butter to juicy, make it juicy, stick it in the oven and don't think about it for two hours. I love it. Yeah. Oh, that's great. (laughs) <laughs> my husband is also teaching my boys how to barbecue right now. Awesome. So that is That's a too. very yeah. valuable thing for boys to learn how to do. I, I admire that. Good. That's great. So, uh, yeah, we've been studying Proverbs 31 for quite a while, and we're almost at the end, and we don't have a picture of this woman's outward beauty. And we see her character, but there is no mention of her outward appearance. Um, so the verse we're looking at today is Proverbs 31:30. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. And I actually love that we don't know what she looks like. We know so much about this woman. She is the ideal. And yet very little is mentioned about her physical appearance. We read that she works with her hands. She clothes herself in strength and dignity. She wears fine linen and purple, and her arms are strong. So charm and beauty are are two traps that men can fall into when choosing a wife. Beauty doesn't last, and charm can often end after the courtship has ended and the wedding ring is on. A woman who fears the Lord should be the main reason that a man chooses a woman to marry. She trusts God over culture, and she trusts God's way of defining womanhood. Can you describe what type of beauty a godly woman should strive for? Yeah, absolutely. I love how you um, talked about how uh, this can be a weakness for men, Mm -hmm. right? And we have to be aware of that because... I think deep down, many women do know that and they know that's how they can manipulate and control a man. And it's through their charm and their outward beauty. And it's like they can um, just grab a hold of his heart and uh, control him in a way that is so dangerous. And as much as that can seem enticing for a moment, that is not the kind of man that you want to be loving you and leading you. And you most certainly don't want to be that type of woman because you're going to be very deceived and you're going to deceive others, right? Charm is deceitful, it says. And that means it can be both deceitful to yourself and to other people because uh, we pretend to be charming and we act in a charming way and just as much as we're deceiving others we're also deceiving ourselves into thinking that this is a good thing and that this works and this is how to get attention and how how to get um, affirmation and to be loved and to make sure we're not going to be rejected but we can only put on a show for so long and then when that show ends 
what do we have? Nothing, right? We've been left deceived and we've deceived others. Um, and to uh, be charming, I, I looked up the definition and it says the power or quality of delighting, attracting or fascinating others. And so we have to recognize that there is a power in being charming. And we can have an ungodly power over a man. And that will likely lead both of us into sin. Uh, and so that is not the kind of power that we want to have. At the same time, it also talks about beauty and how beauty is vain. And to be vain means that it is fleeting, that it doesn't last. And um, and so we, we have to look at beauty and think, like, is it wrong to be beautiful? And I absolutely don't think so. Uh, the Bible talks about beautiful women, women and beautiful things. And it, it doesn't, uh, in and of itself, describe beauty as, as a sinful thing. Uh, beauty, as defined in the dictionary, is simply the quality present in a thing or a person that gives intense pleasure or deep satisfaction to the mind. And so, you know, we look all around us and we see beautiful things. And uh, I think um, we have to just be aware of the fact that as women, whether we are young or old, we are often asking the question, am I beautiful? Mm. And I uh, thought particularly of a couple of situations. And one is a young girl, uh, a friend of ours has a, a daughter and she's just an adorable little sweet thing. And and she's just so cute. And I remember she, you know, she's four, so she's shy and doesn't necessarily want to talk to adults. But I've seen uh, a few adults make comments about her hair and she just lights right up <laughs> and she'll you know twirl her hair around and do this little twist and dance and it's just the cutest thing ever and it's just so adorable to see that this little four-year-old is so delighted in being beautiful and having her hair complimented on and in fact I remember she must have been like one and a half or two years old and I'd come walking into church and she'd mean do me the one up and down like she'd check out what I was wearing it was so weird I'm like well I shouldn't say weird it was a cute but I'm like how does this little girl like she's already so interested and in and of itself to look for beauty and to check people out to see what they're wearing as much as that sounds creepy it doesn't actually have to be a bad thing and and then I was also thinking about uh the time when I w worked in a nursing home and I remember very clearly there's one per woman in particular, she would always ask a question like, is my hair okay? Does my hair look okay? Before we took her into the, into the um, commons room to have, to have dinner or lunch or, or whatever it was, she was concerned about how she looked. And so let's just face it, as women, that is a concern for us, right? And that is something that we think about. I think in, in particular, women have um, a heart for beauty. We're attracted to beauty. And we can either use that for sinful purposes or we can use that to glorify God because God is a God of beauty. Um, and in our part one uh, of the Theology of Beauty, that was several months ago, we, we talked a lot about outward beauty, and we talked about modesty and how to steward our beauty. And so I'm not going to go into all those details, but just a little reminder that it's not necessarily wrong to have some thought and concern and pay attention to our outward beauty. But this time we're going to talk more about the inward beauty and so you ask the question like what type of beauty should a godly woman strive for and that is uh you know it's the beauty that a woman who fears the lord right a, a woman who fears the lord she is the one who truly is beautiful and to fear the lord is both to have reverence for him and to worship him. Uh, this means that she is loyal to him. She worships God and God alone. She is not guilty of any form of idolatry. Uh, she does not serve or worship any other gods. And that includes, we don't worship a, a godly woman who fears the Lord, does not worship her own self-image. She does not worship uh, material possessions. She does not worship the the affirmation of other people. She's not a people pleaser. She doesn't worship money, 
Those things are held loosely for her because she worships God in him alone. And as one who worships him, she also deeply trusts him because she knows that he will protect her and um, that she truly does know that he knows what's best for her and that nothing can happen to her outside of God's will. And so she walks with confidence and ease because she doesn't have to live in fear. Uh, A woman who fears the Lord um, in true beauty also is a woman who is surrendered to him. In other words, she is obedient to God. She surrenders her own wishes and desires to live for the glory of God. And she's able to surrender because she knows that God loves her. God knows what's best for her. And therefore she obeys him, right? Surrender also means um, that she is willing to do what God says rather than what she wants to do, even if it doesn't always make sense. And so a woman who is striving for true inner beauty should really be focused on being a woman who worships God and a woman who surrenders in obedience to God. And the reality is um, a woman who obeys God does not lead to live in um, being afraid of him, but she does fear him knowing that he is a God who demands Um, obedience, who demands worship, who demands uh, submission. And those who who do not submit to him will be punished. They will be damned to eternal damnation. And yet, if you have surrendered to the Lord, if you have put your faith in him, you do not need to live in uh, fear, but you do have fear as in respect, but not in being afraid of him. Um, so I just also wanted to repeat a couple of things that we, we said in that first podcast and part one, we, we talked about how, what we really need to remember is that, uh, God's rule is the image of perfect beauty and we, his image bearers have been redeemed to reflect him. And therefore the heart that is ruled by God also reflects the beauty of God. And so we, uh, we need to understand that uh, we have been designed to bear his image. And to be an image bearer starts with the heart. It starts when we surrender our lives to him. Uh, to be an image bearer um, is also reflected in our life. And so if a true change has happened in our heart, then we will also want to reflect that in our life in the way that we live in, in our obedience. And in part of that is the way that we dress. Uh, it will be made evident. And beauty reflects our creator, right? So um, in creation, God created a lot of beautiful things. In fact, he said that everything he made was good. And in Genesis 131, he specifically declares, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And so we need to recognize that if God's creation declares God's beauty, then we are part of that creation and we want to declare and bear the image of his beauty. And so we need to remember that if we are godly women, we are both physically and spiritually called to be beautiful and designed to be beautiful. Um, and so, yeah, ultimately we remember that our, our life is designed to bear his image. We do that by trusting him and having a worship of him. And we do that by surrendering to him, uh, always remembering that his rule is perfect and good. And, um, and so we want to, to resemble that and we want to bear that in in, in everything that we do. Uh, So once again, the heart that is ruled by God reflects the beauty of God. So hand over your rule and, you know, be willing to obey, to submit, to surrender all of your life to him. And uh, that will really be a beautiful reflection of his beauty. So... How can we overcome inner jealousy over the beauty of another woman? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good question because I think um, because we are women who who are attracted to beauty and we can either steward that for God's glory or we can claim that for ourselves. We do have to be aware of, of jealousy and as women, we can be jealous or envious of another woman's beauty, right? She mm-hmm. might uh, have that slim figure that you are striving for, or she might have beautiful, long flowing hair and yours has you know, been damaged by by the sun or by products or whatever it might be. Or um, she seems to always be up on the latest styles and you try, but you just can't seem to get there, whatever it might be. Uh, it's easy to become jealous. Uh, jealousy is defined as feeling or showing an envious resentment of someone or their achievements or possessions or perceived advantages, right? So when we see another beautiful woman, we think, oh, she's has an advantage that mm-hmm. we don't have, yeah. right? And uh, we need to be, remember that the Bible uses the word envy at times uh, in regards to jealousy. Envy is one of the deadly sins and it's deadly because it's so destructive and so let's just think about some of the destructive things that women do when they are jealous of another woman women can be absolutely nasty right Um, men might be physically stronger (laughs) and more physically aggressive but women can destroy with their words. And we've probably all seen it. Women who are jealous of another woman, they will gossip, they will slander, they will lie in order to advance themselves or others. Mm-hmm. Um, they they divide friendships. They prevent others to, um, you know, be promoted. They despise, they hate, they become bitter. And it's interesting. I was actually... Uh, thinking of uh, a show that many women have probably watched and we probably find delight in it because we see our ourselves in, in one or more of these characters. And I was just thinking of the show Downton Abbey. Oh, okay. And there's this one uh, particular woman. Oh, what's her name? She's the nasty one downstairs. Oh, that, dear. Um, oh. Oh, man. She's the, uh, she, why can't I think of her name right now? Oh, no. But anyways, she's she's always conniving with one mm. of the guys, right? Mm-hmm. One of the I can picture the, her. Is he the foot? No, he's not the footman. I don't know what he does. But anyways, she's always conniving, and she she begins to feel and sense that uh, maybe her owner, Lord Lady Grantham, is gonna get rid of her, and then she finds out that Lady Grantham has actually put an ad in the newspaper looking for another housemaid. Is she a housemaid? Maid servant. Maid servant, something, something like that, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm not up on all the uh, proper terminology. I should know this. But anyways, Lady Grantham is doing that for the senior lady. What's the grandma? Mm. And and yet this lady thinks it's to replace her. Mm-hmm. And she gets so evil and so angry. And it's absolutely like, it's kind of dis- disgustingly sad what happens uh lady grantham is in the tub she is pregnant having a bath and a bar of soap slips over the edge and so her house what what did you say housemaid maid servant maid servant picks up the bar of soap and realizes there's another bar of soap and so she you know scoots it out with her feet picks up the one soap hands it to lady grantham and slides the other soap on the floor, right beside the tub. So, of course, when Lady Grantham gets out, oh. she falls, mm-hmm. slips, and so sad, so devastating, she loses her baby. She has wow. a miscarriage because of, of this happening. Wow. And it was just such a reminder of how jealousy can cause women to do some of the most ugly and horrific things. And, of course... Hopefully, we've never personally caused such an extreme situation. But it's a reminder that jealousy is is so damaging. And if we are feeling jealous, we need to take care of that and, Mm -hmm. and not just ignore it. 
and be aware of that in our lives uh, because we don't want to be part of that destructive, very destructive mm-hmm. behavior. And so what do we do? I think uh, a few things. Uh, we replace our jealousy with contentment, right? If we are jealous, it's because we want what someone else has. And so let's just be content with what we have and choose that contentment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, replace jealousy with stewardship. And so not always, but sometimes hey, maybe we aren't looking so nice right now because we've been lazy and eating a bunch of junk food and we're actually 25 pounds overweight. Well, let's, you know, do something about that and actually be a steward of our bodies and dress or eat properly and exercise properly so that we can have a healthy body weight, yep. right? Um, we, we, Hey, if our healthy body weight still isn't as physically attractive as another woman's let's be content with what we have mm-hmm. but we do have to be stewards or um if we don't care about the way we dress and we show up in a place looking frumpy or having stains on our clothes well like that's kind of our fault let's not blame the other woman right so let's be stewards so replace jealousy with stewardship and then also replace jealousy with love right you can't love someone that you are jealous of um and uh, and perfect love casts out fear. Really, what jealousy is fear. You're afraid that someone else is going to get what you want and that you're not going to be satisfied with what you have. So replace your jealousy with love. Start loving God more. Start loving others. Get the focus off of self and, and love those women that you are jealous of. And love God because he has created you to be beautiful in his sight and he has done a beautiful job at creating you so stop wanting what other people have and just steward what you have be content with what you have Mm. and then go love God and love others yeah Yeah. that's good advice because somebody will always have something better or yeah somebody will always be more beautiful or whatever whatever it may be right jealousy can be very consuming um when should we be cautious about becoming proud? So we want to look good for our husbands. We want to be presentable for things like church or gatherings with family. We want to look professional when we go to work. But how do we know when we have crossed the line into vanity? Um, probably when we're thinking about it too much. And when we get afraid if we haven't achieved what we are looking for, right? Mm. And so once again, I would just state the idea of stewardship. Uh, be a good steward of of how you care for your body, the way that even things like hygiene, right? Like that seems like a, a no-brainer. Like, of course, everybody knows that. But the reality is some people need to be reminded to have good hygiene, mm-hmm. right? To take regular showers, to have clean clothes, to brush your teeth, those yeah. kind of things. It's yeah. valuable, right? Yeah. So be a good steward and, you know, have... a uh, control over the mm-hmm. way that you eat and exercise. Secondly, remember, we're going to talk about this a few times, but remember that you are an image bearer. Mm-hmm. An image bearer is one who reflects the glory of another. Um, and so remember, you are here to reflect the glory of God. And uh, so remembering that um, and as you choose your clothes, consider whom you're reflecting, right? It, you have to be intentional about that to put some thought into it. Uh, are you more interested in reflecting the beauty of your favorite social media influencer, right? And and the reality is some people are. They, mm-hmm. they get all their styles and they're craving for beauty from their favorite social media influencers. So you have to be careful of that. Or maybe you're trying to reflect the beauty of that woman that you know gets more attention than you do or that you wish you were as beautiful as her or as whatever it is that you see in her that you are jealous of. Um, are you trying to reflect her or are you actually considering how you can reflect the beauty of your savior? And um, as much as some of what I said might seem childish or we might say, that's not me. I think we all have to kind of take a pause here and say, do I actually um, feel stress because I want to look like that woman or I feel like I need to um, 
you know, have it all together like that social media influencer or, you know, and as as much as maybe this isn't as common, but there's there's um, women that I've heard of that actually become obsessed with looking like another woman and they almost try to be that woman. And if that woman gets, you know, a new pair of shoes, they'll try to get the same kind of shoes or if that woman gets a new haircut, they'll want to try and get that same haircut. Or if she gets a new shirt, then they try and find a shirt just like her. And maybe you're not that extreme. Maybe you know somebody that's at that extreme. Or maybe you're kind of like that, but not fully like that. But let's just be careful here. Who are we actually idolizing? Who are we actually watching and trying to imitate? And maybe it has seemed innocent to you, but let's just be careful here and make sure that our main desire is to imitate our Savior. And once again, we do talk about this once in a while. Uh, It's not our hobby horse, but we do have to be considered of modesty. It is part of bearing God's image. If we are revealing parts of our body that are meant for our husband and him alone, then that's inappropriate. And whether it's actually showing the skin or just wearing clothes that are so tight that Mm -hmm. it doesn't leave much for the imagination, right? Uh, We do have to be considerate here. There are many, many ways to dress beautifully and with feminine etiquette without being immodest. Mm -hmm. So let's just look for that. Let's be creative and enjoy that process as well. Hmm. Yeah, well, I know we, we have covered this in a previous episode, as summer was just beginning, we spoke about being made in the image and likeness of God, the reminder that it's our job to bring God glory and not to steal it. And in fact, we should tremble at the thought of taking glory away from God. And I think it's important to reflect on this often. You know, our worship team, we have some guidelines, which I appreciate as a leader. And um, as we see new musicians starting to serve, we want to glorify God without being a distraction to the congregation. Again, not trying to be legalistic in how we dress, but aiming to serve the Lord well and not to take any attention away from where it should be. And Susie, I know we recently spoke about this, but we can quickly forget. And as we reflect on the idea of beauty, is there anything you think that we should revisit or explore further as we wrap that up? Well, uh, we've already touched on that this... um, this time around and I do think just a a reminder that beauty starts in the heart therefore modesty starts in the heart it's all about the heart right like are we Mm. desiring to reflect the image of God or are we trying to decide are we desiring to reflect our own glory Mm -hmm. and it's a a question we should regularly be thinking about um But also give yourself permission to enjoy beauty. um, And remember that beauty is a lot more than just you. (laughs) There's a lot of things that are beautiful. So go and enjoy the beauty that God has created. We already um, stated this first, but God made the world. And when he was creating it, he declared that it was good and finished by saying, behold, it was very good. Mm -hmm. So instead of being so focused on yourself, Get out into creation and start enjoying the beauty of God's creation. And you will be astounded. You know, it's the perfect time of year, actually. Right now, as we're recording, it's fall. It's October. Mm -hmm. And probably one of my favorite times of the year because I love bright colors. And as I see the leaves changing color uh, into the reds and the oranges and the yellows, and then there's still green in the background, I just find it absolutely stunning Mm -hmm. to watch and so I love um, uh, walking you know through forested areas at this time of the year I remember we used to have a cottage up north and I remember the one year driving up there in October usually we didn't get out there in the fall because fall is a busy time in the ministry but the one year we were driving up there and for hours we are just driving by mm-hmm. the most radiant colors you could ever imagine. And I didn't get tired of it yeah. because it's it's just so 
fascinating to watch that. And so maybe what we need to do, instead of just always asking, am I beautiful? And how can I be more beautiful? And how can I get my hair to look like this? And how can I have the latest fashions? And what are the latest latest fashions? And you know, all that kind of stuff. As much as we have to put some thought into that, I think we should just need to get out into creation more and enjoy the beauty that God has created. Uh, so many other things, right? Just the beauty of, of newborn animals, right? It's it's They're adorable. Little mm. creatures of all kinds are, are so adorable when they're first born. Um, the beauty of a baby being born, absolutely fascinating. Of course, uh, I've got two little grandchildren that I talk mm. about sometimes, right? And they're the most adorable little creatures you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. But go and enjoy the beauty, the variety of beauty that God has created. And yeah. maybe that'll just help take the focus off of ourselves, yeah. right? Yeah. We don't want to ignore ourselves, but we also don't want to be focused on ourselves. So, yeah. Right. And the beauty of music. I'm just going to add that. (laughs) That's true. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Um, Okay. Well, we're going to move on to the aspect of charm. And um, I think we can all relate to knowing somebody who is genuinely kind, engaging, just fun to be around with a with an innocence among, like, with that charm. And um, we've we've also come across someone who knows how to work a room with their personality. Maybe they just really enjoy the spotlight. And the second type of charm can be a deceptive one, not always genuine, um, but enjoying the attention. So how can we avoid being this type of charming woman? And how can we speak to our sisters in Christ if we see them being inappropriately flirtatious with men? Yeah, good question, because I think that's so true. I think we do have to be careful about not being too quick to judge the woman who is, um, you know, knows how to work the room and who is genuinely friendly and in just chatting with everybody. Uh, so we, we, we don't want to be too quick to judge, but at the same time, like you said, like how can we avoid being um, the kind of charming woman that is sinfully charming and trying to, you know, use her own powers to to work her own advantages, right? Mm-hmm. So how do we do that? I think, first of all, by being women who are genuine. And this is something I've been thinking about more because... Sometimes I've uh, wanted to just be kind and loving and complimentary to women uh, or to others. And, you know, maybe I'm not always completely honest. And I've thought, you know, well, I'm trying to be kind to them. And I'm trying to be kind to people who have been unkind to me. So I'll just pretend like everything's okay and be loving towards them. But I've kind of been challenged to think, well, it certainly doesn't give me permission to be rude or unkind or... Um, I can certainly still be courteous, but let's not be fake either Mm -hmm. and pretend that everything's okay when it's not. Uh, Let's not compliment someone about something that's not actually true, but let's be women who are excellent at encouraging others. So look for things in others that you can genuinely uh, compliment them on and encourage them in. And then speak those things. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard for us to be appreciative of other women. Uh, so don't make things up. That's what I would say. And um, just be be genuine. I think that mm. that's a good start. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the end of the day, if you think, ooh, maybe it was a little fake there, or maybe, ooh, um, Maybe you complimented someone on their sweater and you didn't actually like it. Well, it's probably not the best thing to go back to them and say, actually, I think your sweater is ugly, right? But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to do that, do but, that. But learn to be genuine. Like you can confess that to the Lord and then, um, yeah, and, and learn to be genuine. I, I think that's, that's important. And then um, you also asked about flirtatious women. Ooh, yikes. Yikes, that's a hard one, right? So I think when it comes to uh, that, when you are suspicious that another woman is being flirtatious, the first thing you want to do is check your own heart and make sure you're not accusing them of flirtatious behavior because maybe you're jealous. They happen to be a beautiful woman. Just because they're beautiful doesn't mean that they're also flirtatious necessarily, right? 
Or maybe they're just super, super friendly and you wish you had that super friendly outgoing personality and you don't. And so you're judging them when it's actually your, uh, more of a reflection of your inner self rather than of what they're doing. So let's do that first, right? Mm-hmm. But if you um, do genuinely suspect, I don't think this is just my own heart, but I do think there's something more going on. First of all, if you are a married woman, I think you do have a right to jealously protect your marriage and that of others. So we've just talked about how jealousy is wrong and we want to avoid it and get rid of it in our own lives. But there is a godly jealousy. Actually, First Corinthians, um, Paul talks about it in First Corinthians, how he is jealous over um the believers he's talking to and in a sense so we have to also think about how in the old testament god is referred to as a jealous god so there is a righteous way to be jealous and um that is when we are guarding the holiness of god when we are guarding the commandments of god when god is the one who benefits then that is a a godly jealousy But sinful jealousy is where we are protecting ourselves and we are the one who first and foremost benefits. We're not jealous because uh, God's commandments are being violated, but we're jealous because we want to protect ourselves. And so um, back to the marriage thing, if we are married, we need to jealously protect our marriages. And that means that, yes, of course, if another woman was flirting with our husband, that would be hurtful. But even more importantly, we need to speak up because we want to guard our marriage for the glory of God. Because we know that when a marriage falls apart, that in a Christian marriage of all things, that is very destructive to our faith and our testimony, right? Uh, So we guard that. And so if you're ever in a situation where you sense that there is a woman that is being inappropriately flirtatious, obviously all flirtatiousness is inappropriate with a married man, then you should have open communication and you should have a system where your husband is uh, willing to, first of all, let you know if he is suspecting that a woman is being too friendly or if she's sent him uh, a message that seems just a little bit too friendly he should be willing and able to tell you that and and when he does don't attack him no he's not saying that he's doing that it's the other woman so you should thank him for being honest with you and your thankfulness will help him to feel comfortable doing it again if if that happens whereas if you attack him and immediately go on the you know defense and uh, accuse him then he's not going to want to tell you the next time and that in itself that secretiveness could lead to something that's inappropriate so thank him if he does but also if you see a woman who is flirting with your husband then you should warn him as well. And uh, he should be willing to hear from you. Uh, So once again, if that's happening all the time, maybe that's more of a reflection of your own insecurities. But on the occasion, you're like, "Mm, I don't know, that woman, I I didn't appreciate the way she talked to my husband or looked at my husband or flaunted her stuff around Mm -hmm. my husband. Then you have a right to kindly warn him uh, and and be sure that you're not um, accusing him just because another woman has flirted with him doesn't mean that your husband is guilty in any way so make sure you're aware of that and you're you're kind and gracious but warn him because two things happen then first of all he may not even have noticed um, but that helps him to be careful the next time and then secondly if by any chance he may have been flattered by that flirtatiousness, if his wife sees it, it's going to keep him accountable and keep him in check, right? And let's let's be humble enough and non-judgmental enough to recognize that even married people can be flattered by the flirtatiousness of others, right? We are weak creatures and let's not be too quick to, um, you know, accuse or too quick to uh, condemn Um, but we do have to be alert and aware to that and Mm -hmm. if we are that will keep both of us accountable Mm -hmm. both husband and wife whether you're the recipient or 
uh, of flirtatiousness or maybe you've been flattered by it. Uh, having open communication keeps you in check and we should be willing to do that, right? Recognizing our own weaknesses. Uh, and then um, if you see a woman flirting, it, maybe not even your husband, but another man, I think once again, you want to be sure that you have solid evidence and you're not just accusing her. But if you genuinely think there might be something inappropriate going on, you should look for a kind way, a right occasion to let her know that her, her behavior is being perceived as flirtatious. Once again, be be humble enough to recognize that you could have misunderstood or she might not realize how she's coming across. She might be very intentional about being flirtatious, but maybe she really doesn't know. So don't be too quick to be too hard on her, but be willing to inform her, right? Mm -hmm. If you truly do have evidence. Yeah. yeah. So that's what I would say. That's good. And as, as believers, you can approach, approach them with love as well. Yeah. So um, I think with our young people, our young girls, um, we see young women pursuing careers very um, focused on their careers or waiting years and years into marriage to have children. Um, and sometimes we see the opposite as well. Young girls are dreaming about the perfect wedding, the perfect spouse. They're not really pursuing a career in the hopes that they will be able to have babies and stay home. They don't really see the point of continuing an education. I, I've heard this from um, some of our youth leaders, the girls aren't making the long-term plans for their life besides getting married. How do you, how would you say that we can help our girls have a godly attitude towards work outside the home and staying home to raise a family if and when they do get married? Mm -hmm. Good question. And we've kind of been talking about this already, how we don't want to idolize beauty. And with that often comes the idolization of being loved by a man. Mm. And so as much as it is biblical to get married and have children, we want to make sure that we're not idolizing that or finding our worth in that and identity in in being loved by a man. So we want to teach a biblical per biblical perspective of marriage and teach our young girls to know what it means to be a marriable woman. And um, a lot of that's looking at Proverbs 31, right? And in mm -hmm. all the attributes of that woman. But at the same time, recognizing that not every woman will be married. And um, if you aren't married, that's a, you, you, you're still a beautiful woman of God and you still have so many valuable attributes and opportunities to serve the Lord and to be fruitful. And so we want to admire both. Um, if you are able to get married and you find a godly man, then go get married. It's a good thing and mm -hmm. you should. And if you are able to have children, then you should have children. But... Um, not everybody will. And so in general, when it comes to work, we want to teach our children that there is value in work, in work outside the home and inside the home. And I think sometimes, yes, we actually have to teach it and speak it and, and, and talk about how God created work and it's a good thing. But some of the things they just pick up on because we can teach them that work is a good thing and they should go out and, and work and they should be, participate in chores but then we're at home and complaining and grumbling and being lazy and maybe complaining about our husbands. Do you really think they're going to think that work is a good thing? Absolutely not. So we have to make sure that we are praising our husbands for the work that they do outside the home and the work that they do inside the home. Let your kids see that you value what your husband does. And then don't complain about the work that you do, right? Uh, you Certainly, there might be times when you say, I've had a really exhausting day and I need to go and take a rest. That's okay. That's mm -hmm. genuine. But if you are every day exhausted and overwhelmed and complaining about whether it's the laundry at home or the, you know, dirty floors at home or it's the fact that you have to go out and do a part-time, whatever it might be, if you are complaining, your kids are going to pick up on that and they are not going to have a positive view of work. 
And then, yes, do get them involved in helping out with chores at home. They should have uh, responsibilities uh, that they take care of. And if they're complaining about it, then as a parent, you call them out on that and, and encourage them to have a positive attitude, a thankful attitude, right? Not just positive, but thankful attitude. And I, I still strongly encourage teenagers when they are able to to get a part-time job I think it's very valuable for them to learn to work outside the home uh, to be under the authority of another employer and um, and to learn what it, it means to work for somebody else and then as you do that teach your children how to properly handle their money right and I know we've probably talked about this before but uh, Aaron and I we taught our kids to earn to give, to save, and to spend. And so, yeah, from a young age, they would start earning money in, in their own childlike ways. And then we taught them that your first proceeds, your first 10% goes to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And uh, at that time, we would, in the beginning, it'd be because they didn't necessarily have um, bills to pay, but we taught them that you need to save 50% of your money. And I remember even our kids, when they were doing paper routes for like 7 or $8 a, a week, um, 50% they had to put in a savings account, right? That's a few bucks, but little by little, yeah. they collected the money. Yep. And then 40% they were able to spend. I think that's how it went. Either that or yep. it was 40% saving and fi- something like that. But whatever it was, um, I think it was 50% saving and then 40% they could spend. So uh, when they're l- making little, it's not very much that they can spend, but they're learning that concept. Mm-hmm. And I think if we teach our kids the concept of how to work and then give, save and spend, they have a good understanding of of the value of work, the benefits of work, but also the hard work that work is. Mm -hmm. And there's value in all of that, right? So, and then on top of that as well, help your kids explore God's calling in their lives and then help them to be creative with earning money, right? Sometimes we just think, well, this is what the university offers. Um, as a woman, you can be a nurse or you can be a teacher or maybe a hairdresser. And, you know, we don't go far beyond that. And hey, maybe those are callings that your your children have, but there's many other opportunities we can be creative and I think it's valuable uh, to especially our young girls to help them to explore ideas that will uh, be a benefit to them whether they get married or not right things that are somewhat flexible when they and if they have children right that you can do if you don't have children if that you can do right and so one of the things that our um, uh, youngest daughter she's in hairdressing right now because we think that um you know, we encouraged her. Hey, that's a, a a job you could. It could take you many places, mm-hmm. especially she's um, a great leader type personality, and I think she could run a business if she so desired. And so it's something she could make a big business out of it, uh, expand her interests. It doesn't just have to stick with hairdressing, but it could go m- far beyond that. But at the same time, if she ends up getting married and having children. It's something she could do part-time. She could have a little salon in her own home or whatever it might be. Uh, so I think looking for things that are somewhat flexible that you aren't just stuck in that can only be done uh, if you're doing this full-time as a single woman. Um, hey, maybe that's what God's called you to and you know it and y- you go for it. Whatever you do, I think encourage our kids to do it with excellence mm. for the glory of God. Uh, trying to be creative, earn uh, as much money as you can. And I say that not um, in a sense that earn as much money and then, Mm -hmm. you know, damage your relationships, but within the bounds of being a good steward of all areas of life, earn what you can, like, and don't be afraid of it. Be, be humble, work hard, work with excellence and trust that God will provide, um, and so, yeah, let's not be afraid to earn money, but let's not make that our, our God either. Um, let's not compromise or sacrifice uh, our relationships with God or others for the sake of earning money. But let's not just sit at home and be bums either. <laughs> uh, okay. We won't be bums. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we should come up with something more thoughtful to, I love it. to no, finish no. up here. I think we Sandy, should keep can that. You, can you uh, <laughs> <laughs> redeem the bum? 
Actually, while you were while you were saying that, I think that you and Aaron have modeled with your kids the idea of being creative with with businesses, with jobs, and you've encouraged our church family to do that as well, especially you know, the past few years that we've had just the uncertainty, even with jobs that were supposed to be very stable. And I think you guys have modeled that well and have been an encouragement to others in our church family. I have one question, Susie. Oh, okay. This is all a right. bonus. This oh, is a, a bonus. bonus question. Okay, okay. All right. So we can, do, so we I'm can not delete leave, it I'm if not, we need to. <laughs> I'm not leaving with... Don't be bummed. Okay, I, I can say something more profound than that. That's wonderful. Great. Give it to me. Okay. Oh, it's, it's, nothing, it's nothing really deep. What is your thought on girls wearing pajama pants? In public? In public. Not a good idea. Don't do it. No. Okay. Right? Like, okay, so let's talk about pajama pants for a little while. We women love to be cozy. I know. Right? Cozy. Especially this time of year. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So we love to be cozy. And uh, so I would say there's a time to be cozy. Um, as you're getting ready to go to bed, absolutely be cozy mm-hmm. and comfortable and warm. In your home? In your own home, okay. right? But going out in public with pajama pants on, absolutely not. Um, it just doesn't look like you're really trying or you really care. Uh, it, it's no. Pajama pants, they're meant for you to go to bed. And then just think about this. If you're wearing your pajamas pants out to Walmart mm-hmm. and you're trudging along the floors that mm. thousands and thousands of people are walking mm-hmm. on, and maybe your pajama pants are a little bit long and they start <laughs> <laughs> scuffing along the floor. Uh-huh. And then you go home and you get into your bed, bed. with those pajama oh, pants. Oh, yuck. Yep. Isn't that gross? Yeah. Curl up on the couch. Yeah. And maybe long-legged women, really tall women, don't have to worry about those things. But I'm not that tall. And so I think about these things. <laughs> so, yeah, save the pajama pants for when you go to bed. And in all honesty, as well, don't wear pajama pants all day. If you're a housewife, if you, mm. you stay at home, or maybe you're a student working from home, or a, uh, you have your own business, don't stay in your pajamas pajamas all day like on the odd occasion if you want to just have a really comfy day Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe it's a Saturday and it's your day off once in a while like maybe once or twice a year or maybe switch into sweatpants yeah yeah that would be better but pajama pants no those are for bed Um, maybe if you're going to watch a movie just before you go to bed or whatever get comfy have some hot chocolate or coffee or tea Uh, enjoy that but yeah let's keep it at that thank you Susie that's it all right good (laughs) yes so ladies let's continue to walk in the fear of the lord in his ways seeking to honor him we thank you for joining us today as we look to rebuild biblical womanhood from the foundation up 